What about lethal weapon? No. You seen Die Hard, do? No. Bad Boys 2? No. You ain't seen Bad Boys 2? Shit just got real. everybody to fear and loathing in cinema podcast and i am very excited about this week we're kind of on a peter stormeyer kick and we're just uh we're not gonna stop because we love this man this week the week of it's gonna 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 it's gonna be may may the fourth be with us all in bad boys 2 which might be a star wars movie we'll get into it but bad boys 2 you know that movie came out July 18th, middle of summer of 2003. It's two and a half hours long, which is ridiculous. It's directed by Michael Bay and, of course, stars Martin Lawrence, Will Smith, Gabrielle Union, Joey Pantoliano, with some major cameos. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the two hosts with the most, the two bad boys for life that I run with and scare kids off with, Preston Barta and Dan Moran. How are y'all? Doing well. Uh, we podcast together, but we ain't dying together. I'm going to die with my wife. Uh, sorry, Brian. You say this like you know what's going to happen. You and I are going to be sitting in a damn horror movie theater, and it's just going to be too much for us. <laughs> I, I was in New Orleans just a few days ago, and they had palm readers, and that's not what they said. Oh, well, okay. Oh. We'll see. We'll see. Dan, well, Dan, how you doing? I'll die with you, but now I don't even know about the palm readers. <laughs> what they read? What did they? What did they tell you about your movie critiques in your palm? I, hey, I said I saw them. I didn't say they read my palm. Uh, <laughs> okay. The one that I, the only one that I really wanted to do was a guy with a typewriter there on uh, what's the main square? Jackson Square. Yeah, Jackson Square. There's a guy that made me think of the poet. That was in uh, Before Sunrise that comes up with poems on the spot. And so they had a guy with a typewriter there that would come up with poems. And I really wanted to do it just to see if he followed the same formula as that movie where they already have pre-written poems and they just kind of plug in the information you give them. That's funny. Oh, I'm glad you're back safely from New Orleans. I hope you had a good time. I wish I was partying with you in New Orleans soon. Sooner or later, we will. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, Bad Boys 2. 
Good God, this movie. This movie was made for $130 million, and it made over $273 million. It was made in 2003, and they didn't make a sequel. Bad Boys 3 came out during the pandemic. Well, right before the pandemic, it was the the biggest success financially of the year. <laughs> Bad Boys 3, which was some, you know, 15 years later, maybe more. Crazy. Crazy. It's, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, so Michael Bay, Jerry Bruckheimer vehicle, Bad Boys 2. So in 2003, in the summer of 2003, I was, you know, hot on the heels in college at Lawrence, Kansas. And I remember this coming out. I was really excited because I I mean, I don't like Michael Bay, but I like The Rock and I like Bad Boys. And uh, bad ambulance. Bo- ambulance. Call it ambulance. Um and with bad boys too i was like okay we're gonna do the thing but it's like wait it's two and a half hours and then i saw it in the theater i think three times i was that excited about it and it blew my mind on how just much carnage and ridiculousness and the enhanced comedy which is so dumb i liked it i and i still like it re-watching it again today uh dan when did you first see this movie I was a senior in high school, so this movie was huge um, because we were all excited about not only the movie coming out, but this was like, you know, Will Smith height. The soundtrack was everywhere on MTV. Like this movie was promoted to no end. And the trailer, if you the trailer is fun as hell and it has that Nelly song in it. And it's just like this is going to be an awesome time at the movies. And I remember seeing it opening weekend for sure. I had to have seen it two or three times in the theater, just like you. And I just watching it last night, I forget just how purely insane this movie is from the opening for like, it takes place in a universe that doesn't exist. (laughs) Sure. It's Miami. Sure. There's people, but like, this is like superhero level of what these guys are capable of doing and everything. It's just so much Michael Bay. And I love every single second of it. It is. It is. It's almost like, you know, when you think of the Avengers and like, especially that first movie when they're going through New York, destroying everything. That's kind of how like Martin Lawrence and Will Smith are in these bad boys oh. movies. Just no regard. They're saving things. They're saving oh. the day. But at what cost, really? I didn't ins- they- as, a, as an insurance attorney, the whole time I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The whole movie, everything. There's not one seen this movie where something doesn't get destroyed right something destroyed like the the most the nicest way you can say it is that boy who comes to the 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 door his ego and his his boyhood and all of his confidence is completely destroyed but physically in every other scene something's broken right something is broken and i'm glad joey pantaleano is there as the police chief to like really discuss that in his you know angrily way but preston uh how yeah, he at least something? acknowledges it. Yeah, he does acknowledge it. He's like, then I could, if you guys do this, I've got to come down here and I've got to get the corner. He's got to pay gotta, the bills. I've yeah. got to pay the bill. It's so good. So, Preston, when did you see this movie? I How was I was thirteen, so I was in middle school, going into high school. God, you and and my it. my mother and my grandmother took me to go see it. And man, I remember remember them like feeling this urge to want to like cover my ears and cover my eyes during especially i remember especially 
the scene where they go to the morgue and they have the uh, bare-breasted woman on a slab, which is a very disturbing scene to uh, take in nowadays, but uh, pr probably even then if my brain was a little more developed. Um, but yeah, dude, I just, I just remember them being so uncomfortable, but laughing and feeling like weird about like, should we be laughing at this kind of stuff around him? It was a bad idea to take me. Uh, but yeah, it, it was uh, it was an incredible time watching it as a 13 year old uh, as a 33 year old. It is still fun. I think you both uh, nailed it with saying like, yes, there's a lot a lot going on in this movie it's extremely problematic uh it's it, lowbrow humor but michael bay really you have to give it to him sometimes especially lately with like uh, ambulance he's really good at just making a symphony out of destruction like there's so many moments in this film when it comes to like the action sequences where it's there's some camera stuff that he's doing. Like, I was like, wait, this is 2003. Did they have drones then yet? How did they, how did they do that shot? Cause he's so good with like kinetic, creating this like kinetic flow with his films when it comes to action scenes that yes, there's a lot of stuff happening and you are like taking tabs on like, yeah, they just ran through that, that, that shanty community and probably killed so many people. But I, the movie wants us to think that maybe nothing's happening. Um, and it takes like other movies to happen. Like Brian, you brought up uh, Avengers. Like when the, the first Avengers movie, all this destruction's happening around New York, Man of Steel, all these buildings are being destroyed. And it took like conversations being had after those movies came out for them to make them part of plots in the in the subsequent films like you know civil war or batman v superman uh you know batman being pissed that man of steel just you know has all this power but still is dead but that you know that's beside the point but um yeah i thought that at least this movie did somewhat acknowledge the fact that all that stuff happened even with like the racist jokes that happened in this movie where you're like okay um they they poke fun at themselves being able to say those jokes just by saying something like, uh, yeah, that was, that was too much, man. That was a little uncalled for. And so I think there's some cleverness to its stupidity amidst it all, but uh, yeah, it it's still at the end of the day, as bloated as it is, is a fun movie. And I really enjoyed it as a uh, 13 year old. And I still think it's a uh, pretty fun today especially some of those action scenes even if that's all it is chase sequence shootout chase sequence shootout that's the math to this whole movie and uh the in-between moments are just lowbrow wit and wise well, guy cracking right right you're it. right well the right this so like this movie was almost written for you preston like as a 13 it was like written uh -huh. by a 13 and 15 year old for 13 and 15 year olds but just so happens to be adult so like one of the writers is ron shelton and he wrote bull durham white men can't jump and the great white hype came on to do bad boys 2 and then the other writer of the movie was jerry stall who wrote a few episodes of alf and you put that together and you kind of get bad boys too. And I think with those lowbrow humor 
I think in these absurd situations of these two cops, uh, and you have kind of the Martin Lawrence, Martin Lawrence, Will Smith chemistry and kind of their personas. Uh, I think it just it, they just knock it out of the park because it is like a friend. There's like not a slow moment. Sure, there's a couple of scenes where these these two characters, two characters, Marcus and Mike Lowry, um, are like having a heart to heart. But there's always something funny going on in the background, whether they're being filmed or it's like there's an innuendo of their sexual tension together. Like there's always something to kind of not keep it as serious as it should be. And I think um, Jerry Bruckheimer and Michael Bay do very well with walking that line. And while, but but I wonder how in tune they were with that. Do, did they notice like all that, you know, the slow motion shots at the end or the way that the camera kind of spins around during these like dramatic phone calls or what have you, do they, do they know that it's cheesy or do are they just like no way hard, no not absolutely not have you have you seen Michael Bay Michael Bay like this yeah. shot's going to be fucking awesome this is going to be the slickest the coolest it's going to be like it, in a Maxim magazine like that's how it's going to be right and, and they are that's the point like you put them in context of the movie and they seem ridiculous like when Optimus Prime or Transformers flipping over a girl in slow motion and her like he zooms in on her boobs and she's like, ah, as explosions yeah. are going everywhere. You're like, wow, that's corny. But at the same time, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it looks so cool. Like it's corny, but it's awesome. And this movie, while I was watching it, is the most Michael Bay before he hit his Transformers thing. Like this thing, he was yeah. just like, I'm going to do the most obnoxious things that I can. And it, in every single moment of a movie. It's just incredible to me. Well, you know, I there, there's there's uh, two sequences that we studied in my film class, believe it or not. One of them is the rotating camera sequence when there are two, two parties with shooting at each other on the other side. On, on, on right. Which is a great, which is a great scene yeah, from back then. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the other is the, like a uh, fight club Spider-Man camera CGI thing that they do when they're, they're going through the club and yep. they're going through the AC bit. And then you see them uh, dancing in the club. And then we get the classic, you know, villain counting their money, like Miami vice style um, with Peter Stormare doing that. Um, and we, we uh, dissected that a little bit about trying to find the CGI moments and the moments of reality and just being like, this is like a new age Goodfellas going through the back door type of thing. And he's just bringing this energy to it that has not really been seen in a movie before. Right. In those two scenes, I'm glad you brought up the shootout where the camera is going from uh, the opposite side of the wall in a circular motion uh, to where there's like five Haitians on one side and Martin Lawrence and Will Smith on the other. And they're in a shootout. That scene how that breaks down in those, what, 30 seconds, maybe minute long of the camera going through closed doors and little creaks in the door in a circular motion as you see both sides of the tail there. Um, that scene is so tense and so suspenseful, but they find a way to make it funny as hell with having Martin Lawrence's character um, 
just be so painstakingly anxiety ridden and upset that it just plays out really funny. And I think maybe one of the issues here, I don't know. We'll discuss it. Let's discuss that. Now. One of the issues is, do you think there's anything at stake in the movie? Like I know there is in bad boys three, but in this movie, it feels like they're superheroes. Like there's nothing that can go wrong. And they're having a fun time with five people, machine guns shooting at them. What do you think about that? It's, it's amazing. Like, I, I know I sound like ridiculous here, but this movie is a kid playing with his G.I. Joes and just was given over $100 million to do it. And so every single time it steps into the, as you were saying, uh, or as Preston was pointing out, you know, when is it CGI? When is it not? When is it adding in the humor? When is it not? It's It's a perfect balance, regardless of how it lands for you. It's a perfect balance of a kid playing in a sandbox with almost an unlimited budget. And that's how it feels the whole way through. Every time I'd groan at a joke, it would be during a shot where I'm like, man, that's cooler than anything I've seen in a movie in the past 18 months. Or anytime, you know, there would be like an incredible shot. I'm like, how come somebody can't give this kind of care to showing, I mean, we always come back to it, showing showing like, why couldn't Ant-Man Quantumania have 1% of the care that Michael Bay showed to have a camera go through bullet holes and look at a bullet hit a guy in the ass. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> he cared about that shot and you can tell regardless of how you feel about it. He was like this shot. I have a vision. I'm going to focus on it. And even if you hate it, I'm going to make it look so precise and mm-hmm. so perfect that you're going to respect the hell out of it. And that's how I felt the whole time. Every time it was going up and down or up and down, it just brought me back to like, this guy's a this guy's just an artist. <laughs> like no, and I, I, his art, but he's an artist. You're Wizard you're absolutely technique. right. You are you are absolutely right. As much as I hate Michael Bay, and I think I hate Michael Bay, don't hate. I don't like his movies a whole lot, and it was mostly because of the editing. His visuals <laughs> and camera style are artwork. But I think if he took some time to breathe and let the frames breathe for more than five seconds at a time. It would be so much better. Let the audience take it in instead of cutting every five seconds. And I'm just lost almost. Uh, that's what I feel like. What do you feel like, Preston? Um, yeah, I, I do feel that too. I think that's why I think Ambulance is a better movie, even though it does have a lot of those moments where it does get quick. But I feel like there's more of like a, a whiplash beat to it where with Ambulance that... I'm more invested with the, the the beats or the rhythm of his edit in that film because he does take a few moments to let things breathe. And I think he he took some notes or like le- looked at his notes that he's gotten all over the years about, yeah, maybe don't do this, maybe don't do that. This might be a better thing for him to explore. And I feel like he's, j- I'm very interested in the kind of filmmaker that he is now. Um, hmm. I, I, I think... Um, I think with like, I hope he dials back on the drone stuff. Some of that drone stuff was really cool because with, I don't think he needs to be doing like transitional scenes going up and down buildings with a drone. But some of those things where like, even in this film, like there's a shot where a semi truck plows through like jugs of water and then it hits another car 
and the the other the other cars that's being pushed by the semi there's a camera planted on the ground and it just so perfectly slides with like in between the tires and i'm just like dude how do you do that how did you do that then like i he does all these like really cool videos in a tom cruise kind of way where he lets us in to the magic a little bit he did a great feature with ambulance showing us the drones and i'm just like that's that's amazing. It really kind of gets you invested in it. And I think there's been some really great features with bad boys too, because the rig that they used for that, that sequence that we referred to earlier, where, you know, the cameras go from one side of the room to the other um, was really cool. And and I, I know he said that it was really hard to achieve, but uh, yeah, there, even him breaking down the science of how he achieves some of his shots is really fascinating. There was a clip again with ambulance where he's like, you know, I can't, I can't even begin to like quantify it. I, I can't, I can't break it down for you. I can't analyze it. It just makes sense to me in the moment. And I just kind of pull the greatest elements out of a sequence as much as I can. And so it's really cool to to see some of these behind the scenes. And I think that as a 33-year-old watching that today is what most piques my interest. No, I don't care. I don't think like Brian, your original question about like what are the what's at stake here? They kidnap Sid, which is Martin Lawrence's characters, uh Marcus, uh his his sister in the film, and also Will Smith's main squeeze at this point. Um but that's the moment in the movie where shit gets real. Like anything happened yeah. before that is more real. <laughs> yeah. I think all of it was just to, you know, just create some chaos and just show like, why do these guys still have their job? Like they're giving like Joe Pantaleona or however you say his name uh, as captain Howard. Uh, how, he, he's just, ha he's like on the verge of like having a breakdown. He's like, having he's like a buddhist and just trying to like just keep the peace and they're like breaking him and that's like what <laughs> has you somewhat invested in what's happening um yeah like the 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 chase sequence that's on the highway when cars are falling out of the back of a trailer and they're just like perfectly uh moving around it like you were saying Brian as that they're just superheroes they somehow uh, seem to make it out of every situation but that's you know it, at that point you're just kind of numb to the experience and you're just like all right everything anything goes and um but it looks really cool doing it and i'm focusing on the technique of the scenes and that's that that's what i'm interested in now right right what are, so dan with all of that what do you think about the comedy in here are there any certain sequences that really stuck out comedy wise because i have two and a half sequences that i think are some of the funniest bits like that could be um snl skits i, I mean yeah there's just i loved the opening is hilarious i think being at the the, the rally is just some of the stuff they say and the things that happen in it is just laugh out loud funny I love Preston was talking about it earlier. The morgue scene is just so grotesque that it flips from like you you realize this is disgusting and I feel queasy in my stomach, but you're laughing because it's going so far when he's saying it dripped in me. <laughs> what does he say? It dripped in my mouth is just hilarious. And he's checking out the the girl, the topless girl, and he's like about how nice her tits are. It's it's all of its line crossing, all of its 
I mean, there was a lot of talk back in the day about the the kid coming to the door and how like 90% of that was improvised and how they just sent the kid to knock on the door. And Michael Bay was like, just fuck with this kid. It's like his first acting job. Just mess <laughs> with him. And I mean, that's funny in that retrospect, uh, in retrospect to, to know that. But Dur, if you just watch it, you're like, something seems off with this scene because it really was like them just it felt like a curb your enthusiasm moment there were so many edits you could tell they went so many places and uh watching it now and knowing that and being older i was like very funny bit but definitely feels like michael bay was like you know what this made me laugh i'm putting it in this movie but it's not nearly as polished as everything else that he tries to do throughout the film so i mean that's just a couple things right there even throwing the bodies from the morgue van is funny the rats having sex in the in the drug house is funny, funny. like all it's so stupid but i laughed at all of it i laughed at all of that too i would say like one of the rat the one thing that martin lawrence said that the half thing that i thought was funny is like him at the end of the scene walking and he gets scared and he goes oh look at the balls on that yeah. <laughs> and that kills me and then of course the when the kid comes to pick up marcus's daughter and they mess with them i mean that that scene could have gone so many crazy ways and it's funny watching it now and it's funny watching it then and the other one is when um marcus martin lawrence's character accidentally takes ecstasy and yes. goes to uh joey pants house joey pantaleano's house with will smith and Martin Martin Lawrence's acting chops in that like I legit think he's high <laughs> like he was so funny and that scene still kills me uh when he does when he that drinks, when he drinks the pant the plant water yeah that's that just I don't know why that he says so many things that are so funny but when he starts drinking the the plant water and Joe Pant Joey P looks at him as like what is going on I don't know why that part is it's so perfect I, I like him walking down the stairs and being like, you should see this sexy robe that I have on right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, there's just so many. How much of this was improvised? How much of it wasn't? Because you got to think that those two just riffed off each other in the best ways possible during this. But I think that comedy really aligns because it is so heightened. It is so funny. And you also have that action to go with it. And I think if you had a, both of those things, the of the absurdity and the the enhanced quality, I think it goes hand in hand. In a movie like this, it almost it's like the little engine that could and that never stops because even until the very end, you're like, we've had so many explosions, mansions explode, people are dying, crazy uh vehicle chases. And then at the end, you have a crazy sequence of a car chase going through a village and you're just like wait what is happening here when does this end and then it, it doesn't end there there's still a minefield <laughs> that we have to get through literally well, so we had, to, we had to sell a lot of hummers we had to sell a lot of hummers in this movie brian that, to sell yeah. all. <laughs> that has to be the case so where so okay so of course, in one of our favorite action movies, Hot Fuzz by Edgar Wright with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, this movie is definitely made reference to a couple times. Th that and Point Break. Bad Boys 2 and Point Break. You haven't seen Bad Boys 2. There's a reason. I think Edgar Wright likes this 
style and you could see it in his movies a little bit in Edgar Wright's movies, like even the editing and some of the fun heightened comedy and action. But what do you think? He's uh, Edgar Wright's pre-calculated. Like he, you could tell that he does his homework beforehand. So there is a beat that you can make sense of and you can take in everything uh, while Michael Bay is kind of coming up with it on the spot and hopes to stitch it all together in a in a fluid way. And sometimes it doesn't work out, but it's forgiving because it looks cool. True, true. I, I definitely agree with you on that, because like you said, Michael Bay, he does seem to be like his some of his characters, very improv in that way. Or he knows the shot he wants, but he's like, how are we going to get there? Okay, on the spot. Almost kind of like Cohen, right? We talked about Cohen on our last show on My Bloody Podcast, how he goes in and likes to improv. like, how are we going to do this? But Michael Bay just has, he's like Larry Cohen, but with a big budget, right? Yeah, like he has, like he's like, uh, let's save all our worries for another day. Like the worries are always being pushed <laughs> to the next day and at some point he just doesn't seem like somebody who is like all right let's uh go through everything again i think he's just like never lives in the moment really or maybe he does kind of live in the moment to create these action scenes but he doesn't really think about how this is all going to come together like he's like let's focus on this snapshot big picture is another day Big picture is another day. It is good. And it's great to see people in very little roles here, like Henry Rollins, like Dan Marino, like Michael Shannon, or even Megan Fox. They're all in this movie in very little bit parts that have gone on and become very, very big. I mean, Henry Rollins was big before this movie, but of course, Henry Rollins is Henry Rollins. But Dan, what do you think about these two characters played by Martin Lawrence, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith? Well, um, for starters, they're completely different characters from the first Bad Boys movie, which is kind of what makes me laugh about it. It's kind of like going from alien to aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, obviously, they're both, in my opinion, alien aliens are masterpieces for different reasons. But you watch Alien, you're like, what a dark and like kind of serious and like cerebral movie and aliens. It's like, shoot everything. (laughs) And, And they both work for the reasons. But the first Bad Boys was like kind of a a buddy cop thing that kind of took the crime seriously was like it was more grounded it was more grounded everything they were doing felt important to the world and in this one it's just like we got to throw some corpses out watch some rats fucking and uh you know it it was it was very silly but it still it still worked so i think there's that aspect of it but they have great chemistry together and that was one thing you know with all the baggage that will smith has now and how crazy he's gone probably in the past decade it's so fun and kind of sad to me to go back and see him in a movie in 2003 when he was like I'm having fun I'm using all of my movie star charisma to make a really fun over the top movie that I know is going to make a lot of money and right. he, he stopped doing that he just well, stopped doing it. well I'm I'm curious when you say that they're two different characters and I think I know why because the first movie Michael Bay ever directed was Bad Boys 1 he yeah. had a budget of like $17 million and he they made $141 million. And then in between Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2, he made The Rock, Armageddon, and Pearl Harbor. 
All of those made a ton of money. And I think everybody was wanting him to like come back for bad boys too. And they're like, dude, you've done so well with us. Throw all the money, throw all your money here. Have fun. We're not going to say a word. Enjoy. Go back to your first movie. Especially with all the star power that Martin Lawrence and Will Smith had at the time following compared to 95 compared to 2003. Right. Right. It's insane. And I think, do you think this was kind of like a combination of fans wanting it? And then the studio is like, you've done so well for us for three movies. Have all the money you want. We won't say anything. Do whatever you want. Make it as long as you want. What do you think? Definitely part of it. But I also, like Preston said, you had Will Smith. You could put Will Smith, you know, he had Will Smith early with like no budget and kind of actually helped launch his kind of action movie stardom in that 1995 bad boys. And now it's going back to play in, like I've said a thousand times in a sandbox where anything goes budget wise, plot wise, comedy wise, you can just be free to do whatever. And whether Will Smith did it as a favor to Michael Bay, I'm sure he was handsomely rewarded. It's definitely something that you can tell Martin Lawrence and Will Smith liked doing. And I don't think Michael Bay was in any position in his life to turn down. Here's, you know, a hundred million dollars to go make a movie with your friends and you can do anything you want explosion wise. I think that's pretty much the only thing that gets him up in the morning at this point. So yeah. And and I mean, the third, the third movie, they, you know, they made a third bad boy. So clearly Martin Lawrence and Will Smith love it. And from what I've read, they're trying to get together to make a fourth one. So I think it's greenlit. I think it's actually happening. Well, then they fucked up the title of the third one. Yeah. (laughs) Bad boys for life. For life. I mean, Oh, they're just messing with us right now. So what do you think about so the the bad the villain in Bad Boys 2 who um is played by Jordy Moya? Um he was ba- he was in he was famous in what was it? Uh Blow uh with um he was He's Diego awesome. in Blow. In the He's what? also in uh this really ridiculous movie that I love called Haman Haman. Okay. With, with Javier Bardem and uh, Penelope Cruz, and it's an all Spanish film, and it's it's him and Javier Bardem trying to win the affection of Penelope Cruz's character, and it ends with do you know what Haman Haman is? It's a it's English? ham. It's pig ham. ham. So yeah. they have a fight at the end of the movie in a warehouse where ham is hanging from like the the ceiling and they grab like two legs and they're just clubbing each other to try to uh, win, try to win over uh, Penelope Cruz's character, man, movie's really ridiculous, but uh, man, he's fantastic. Oh, just a side note, the poster for that movie, um, Hamon, Hamon, um, it looks like a romantic comedy, and I want you to, I want you both to look up J A M O N J A M O N on and find the poster because it's like a romantic comedy with a flying pig on it. <laughs> it's, it, I kind of want this poster in real life right now on my wall. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing! Okay, so it's that guy, and I guess the villain in Bad Boys Two. That we're talking about of course he was in blow with johnny depp i think i mean he's the stereotypical villain here uh, he's yeah. coked out of his mind and i think his 
the his the best way to describe him in the scene is when he's yelling at the painters and he hates it and he's like i want to be like little angels with little angels yeah. around me and i was like oh man he's because I, I feel like that's almost a peter stormire but with with stormire in this movie um as alexi dude his character showing up wanting to team up with the cops is amazing at the end yeah like, like what, what did he say? He's like, I'm the I'm the Russian Grim Reaper when he yep. gets in there. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, like because there's so much going on in this movie. And it's like, oh, wait, he's after Haitians. Wait, he's after these guys. Wait, he's after the drug cartel. Wait, who is he with the Russian guy? Like, where does it start <laughs> and end with this movie? Like, I don't get where how they get to point A to point B, but somehow they do. And even in the beginning of the movie, they're fighting the KKK on like an island and it's like our maybe michael bay thought this was going to be the last hurrah (laughs) we have to do it all right yeah because peter stormare probably probably gave him some notes on what to do because it it was strange after you know all these movies that we've been doing lately and all the peter stormare films that we've been doing like it's weird that he doesn't get the scene because i'm thinking about the scene in this movie where it's peter stormare sitting down with jordi miola um and they're like having a discussion and they're like he's like i'll bring in your partner and then it brings in this bucket full of limbs which is yeah and then blood's dripping on the floor and you know that he's just like this is fucked this is insane and it's just peter stormare would normally have that part to right? be able to do that scene and i can't help but wonder like how he may have elevated the scene because like jordy like uh, as as johnny like the aesthetic of him is cool like i, I always love like you know when the, the the villains have like long hair and <laughs> um they're they're shooting somebody in the face at point blank and then the blood of the guy that they just shot just went over and so yeah, there, there's a lot of moments to him um, with he, with him saying the, the whole little angels and then his daughter comes in and then the guy that's from Selena, uh, John Cena's Roberto, is like laughing at something that the daughter says. Like He's like, oh, I was just getting a dress, for, I guess, for quinceanera or something. And and it's like, oh, that, that lady said that I look like a model. And then he like snickers and then... Um, but because that that guy from Selena is family to Jordy's character, he can't exactly kill him. So he has to find a unique way to try to make that possible because you can sense that tension between them. And then when it happens, it's it's great. So there are some great moments to him, but I, I don't think I just kind of wish that Porter uh, Peter Stormare had the part. And then I think it would have even more lines or he would milk the intensity in every moment to just make it wholly unique and we would probably be tack uh adding another great uh facet to this film and talking about that um and i just kind of wanted wanted more from him as in terms of being a villain yeah i mean yeah it's surface level material almost for the most part but oh man so why do you think this movie in its brilliance as it is 
got a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes? Like, how do people like just viciously hate this movie? Because you go into this movie and you have like, how do you not have fun and laugh and smile come out like, wow, that was an explosion to my senses. And I hate explosion to my senses. But I, how do you react that way? Why? Yeah, I remember Roger Ebert and I think Richard Roper at the time said that this movie was a uh, like just complete mess of a movie that didn't have a lick of subtlety in it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I know, um, but we know it, it's it's hard because I'm thinking about this more in terms of like the Michael Bay that I know now versus like I'm trying to get into my 2003 mindset um and i and i just can't imagine being a viewer maybe who is at the age that we're at now watching it then and being going from bad boys to armageddon in in uh, pearl harbor and being like they're a little more dialed back and this one was just like he just cranked it up hardcore and I wonder what that transition was like. So maybe that transition in his career or in terms of just like really homing in on the stuff that uh, that we know him for at the time um, might have been too much to handle because I think we I don't know as critics today, like we can watch this and be like, yes, you know, if I was really grading this. And I was grading story and grading character and all these other things. It wouldn't pass, but it's, you have to really bring in the fun aspect of it all and how much, like we've been saying with like the technique that the, the wizardry that's going on there is uh, really kind of pushes it to the positive. And so, I just don't think people were as forgiving of it at, at the time that I, I wonder what it would be like if a lot of those critics came back to give it a second look and kind of see like, well, we watched a lot of Transformers movies together that were pretty bad aside from the first one. And um, and then now, you know, we got Ambulance and it's it's good stuff again. And so, uh, yeah, I wonder what that 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 would be like. Um, but yeah, well, that's why this that's podcast is here, Fear and Loathing. Yeah, exactly. It's why we're here to tell you that you need to watch this again. Dan, what do you think? What, what's your overall take of Bad Boys 2 now? It's 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 too long, but <laughs> the pieces and the set pieces you come back and watch, you're never not entertained. Like, I don't feel like this is a movie that I want to sit down and watch in to completion again like start to finish i wouldn't be like i'm popping on bad boys too but i might be like you know what i'm gonna watch this car chase or i'm gonna watch the the morgue scene or i'm gonna show someone this or that because it was really michael bay just like we said just feeling himself a, a complete heat check on what he what he could do and and i respect the hell out of that aspect of it and we keep bringing up ambulance I would argue, I don't know what Ambulance was rated, but Ambulance is just as ridiculous <laughs> as this movie is. And for some reason, to me, it works better, too. I mean, it's got Jake Gyllenhaal just being in a complete insane person. It's got some... It, I mean, they do surgery going like 70 miles an hour in an ambulance, and you're like over a FaceTime call with a surgeon. <laughs> it's all just... Like, mm -hmm. everything about Ambulance is just as ridiculous as everything in... 
Bad Boys 2, um, maybe a little so, more focus, maybe a little more focus because the carnage and the insanity just takes place in one vehicle instead of, I don't know, 27. But yeah. at the same time, it's just uh, this is what Michael Bay does. And I, I'm I want this Michael Bay more than I want Transformers 8 Michael Bay. Like I want Michael Bay, get some A-list actors, let them have fun. Let the plot be insane, but show us some incredible shots where we sit back and no matter how stupid this movie is, we go, it's a damn cool moment. Michael Bay. And without so without how... all the military warship. I just want something right. that doesn't have that in it. Oh, well, what was his? Uh, it was the one with hours? Jim. 13 yeah, hours. Yeah. Which I remember they he wanted to screen at. Uh, AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys play. I went for 10 minutes and left because I the, sound, the, time. the sound and the video just wouldn't do it for me. It was it was like three seconds off because of how big that place was. Dude, it was weird watching that movie and because exactly what we were saying with uh, it's it just shows like the American side, like everybody, the, 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 the end quote enemy side is right. completely faceless. And so to, it was weird watching with the audience as they're like, you know, the Americans are taking a bazooka to uh, quote the enemy side and they blow up. And then everybody's like, yeah, it was <laughs> dude. It was strange. But that's like Top Gun though. Faceless enemy, but go, go Tom Cruise in America. Like, and that's, well, it, it's it, a Bruckheimer his, thing. His makes more sense because he didn't want to name the, the enemy side right. at all. Like he didn't want to say that, Hey, it's the Russians because then, um, <laughs> uh, then yeah, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Oh, it's so good. So bad boys too. It's on Blu-ray. This is is this on 4K? Yeah, it's on 4K. Oh, I'm sure it's gotta be 4K, Blu-ray. I mean, Bad Boys 2. I Bad Boys 2 in a nutshell is the ultimate American action fast food movie. Like it has everything you want in it. It's it's gross. It looks great. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. It's excess. And that's America, right? Yeah. And it has, uh, we didn't, we didn't mention him, but he's one of my favorite uh, side characters. uh, John Saley, Sally. um, Sally, Yeah. Oh yes. 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 yes, yes. Fletcher. He's like the the hacker guy. Yes. Like all his stuff. I loved like him (laughs) trying to go about it as legally as possible, but, we'll just do it for Lakers tickets too. And then right. by the end of it, he's in a jail suit. Yeah. He's, a, he's in a jail suit and he has a big thick glasses and they just keep poking them. And yeah, it's so great. It's like, it's, you can see, you can see that game from the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, the movie, there's so many moments where you just can't help but laugh But bad boys Two always holds a special place in my heart just because it's excess. It is American excess to its finest in Michael Bay. It's the, it's the switch that was flipped in Michael Bay to take his action to kind of an absurd level before that, like even Armageddon feels absurd, but it's a little grounded in its story. Um, but here it's just off the wall. Anything goes kitchen sink, throw in there. Like, it is all in. So Bad Boys 2, it's uh it's on Netflix. You can stream it on Netflix for free. Buy the 4K, buy the Blu-ray, get your two-disc DVD collector's edition. Um, Bad Boys 2. Oh my god. 
I can't. And, and the one thing that I still can't believe that I is it's two and a half hours long. It's like, oh, <laughs> it, it's insane. It, it was before it was the norm, right? Like Michael Bay was ahead of the curve here. Oh my God. So, um, bad boys too. Thank you for listening to fear and loathing cinema podcast. We always love that you're here. Uh, check out Dan Moran. He runs our Instagram fear and loathing and catch him at boomstickcomics.com. Write and reviews. He's in Austin, Texas. If you see him at a theater, go say hi to him. Tell him what you want to see on the show. But you don't know what he looks like. So. You don't, but yeah, that's the trick. Just be like, Dan, Dan. In all theaters in Austin, just yell Dan this weekend. Yes, let's do it. Do it at Guardians. Uh, and then Preston, the man, the myth, the legend. He's back from New Orleans. He's in Denton, Texas. He's writing for Denton Record Chronicle. He's writing for FreshFiction.tv. Check out all of his Ted Lasso interviews right now. He did Ted Lasso interviews for this season three. Check them out. They're amazing. And check out his review for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It's good stuff. And check him out at Blu-ray Dad on Instagram and Preston Barta on Twitter. Also, I'm Brian Kluger. Check me out at highdefdigest.com, where you can also read how much I loved Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And you can check me out on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at Brian Kluger. And you can check me out on Wednesdays on Electromagnetic Radio. And you can check Press and I out at My Bloody Podcast. Always good. Thank you. Thank you. Bad Boys 2. We'll see you next week. <laughs>